Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 1 and go through verse 20. Again, we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And as you're flipping and and looking for that, uh, they sung what is the town anthem of the town I grew up in. I grew up in Plainview, Texas. And so if you went to church in Plainview, Texas, at least once a month, you sang, Jesus is here in Plainview. Um, And in fact, one church that was on the interstate, uh, the shortest interstate in the United States, um, I-27, right there on the side of their building, they wrote, Jesus is in Plainview. Um, so it, it, was a, it was a real thing, so I thank you. Uh, I'm not sure y'all were aware of that, but that was uh, a piece of home that y'all brought here to the beach this morning. Um, and when I sung it in Plainview, I could never say that I put my toes in the beach, but in the ocean, um, like the song says, but I can do that every day. So the family's doing good. Uh, all the family is doing good over in Texas through the storm. So I appreciate all of y'all who've reached out and have been praying for them. They are doing Uh, really good. So thank you for that. So Mark 4, verses 1 through 20. Let us hear now from the word of God. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. Another seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn, turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and those And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. 
There ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're journeying through the gospel of Mark, and here we come across the first parable. The first time we see in Jesus's ministry that he begins using parables to teach others about the kingdom, about the word, and about the gospel. And in the first parable recorded is the parable of the sower. And as is the case with other parables, and when we study parables, the disciples too ended up with questions. What are you talking about? And, and so Jesus we find him when, when asked or, or it's looking like people are perplexed by his parable, he just tells another parable to explain the parable, right? So you can get lost in this circular motion. But here Jesus in his kindness explains it to the disciples. There was that large crowd all gathered with the sea, but Jesus and his disciples are on the boat. And he only explains it to his disciples. And by God's grace, he's given us his word, and we see here in Scripture. And so God invites us into that boat to hear Jesus' explanation. We're led into that close conversation. And so when Jesus begins the parable in verse 3, he exclaims to the crowd, Listen! Listen! He's in the boat, there on the land. You got to do something to grab their attention, right? But Jesus exclaims, listen. It's important for us to see that because at the very end of this short parable in verse 9, he says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. It's important that we recognize how Jesus bookended this parable, not only the contents of the parable, but how Jesus bookends it as well. He, he, book, he began it with a call to listen, and he ends it with a blessing to hear. Which means that what was said in those verses in between is of extreme importance to us. It's important that we understand it. And then, It also points to this, that one of the things we learn about hearing in this parable is that when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the word of God, hearing is not only done with our ears, but it is done with our hearts. And so Jesus, as we remember that he came to seek and save the lost, that He came to redeem sinners. He came to reconcile us to our Father who is in heaven through his atoning work on the cross, forgiving our sins past, present, and future. And so Jesus tells this parable of the sower, wanting us to listen, wanting us to hear, not with our ears, but with our hearts. And as he tells this parable, those that can hear, hear the truth. And we can evaluate our own heart condition. This gives us an opportunity to evaluate where we stand upon hearing the word and where we are with the gospel. So that we have a chance to repent and turn fully to Jesus. So Jesus explains to his disciples. And by his grace, he lets us in. And he says this, that the sower sows the word. 
The seed is, is the word of God. It, it's, it's the truth. It's, it's the knowledge of the kingdom of God. It's the grace and the gospel. It's the forgiveness and the peace. It's the joy. It's the promise of faithfulness of God in the midst of troubled waters. The word is that gospel truth. The sowing is what Jesus is doing during this time, but it's also what we are called to as his ambassadors, as the light and the salt, to go and make disciples. How? Well, scatter seed. Go share the word. And the soil? Well, the soil, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that the soil is our heart, or at least the condition of our heart. And what hearing comes down to is the condition of one's heart. See, hearing the gospel isn't just a mental exercise and a mental assent to understanding and saying, yes, I understand how that works and can be true. Hearing and receiving the gospel also has to do fully with one's heart. We can hear it, know it inside and outside, but if it hasn't come into our heart, have we really heard it? This is kind of where Jesus is going in his parable. Now, before we dive into this explanation Jesus has of these heart conditions, we remember that Jesus already said to us, he already said in the Gospel of Mark, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. So there's going to be something done with us. The old is gone and the new has come. It's what we celebrate at baptism. We also know that in Christ, we are born again. That in Christ, we are given new life. And that in Christ, because we are in Christ, we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Because without it, We really haven't got a chance. So the Lord gave us his spirit in our heart. And now the four heart conditions. Jesus lifts up four heart conditions here in the parable of the sower. The first one is a a hardened heart, right? It's the path that the seed is scattered and the birds come and pick up the seeds. And and he says that the the birds represent Satan, that these seeds were never actually sown into ground. They were rather scattered on the path And because they did not penetrate, Satan comes and plucks them away before we can take notice of his word. Now a hardened heart comes because of this hardened path. See this hardened path, they they walked everywhere they went, so they didn't have pavement to drive on. They had dirt to walk on, but it was the paths that were common during that time. And so a busy path would be extremely hardened. And impossible for seed to penetrate. And so it is with our lives that a busyness in our lives, a busyness of our hearts, not giving our chance to ever really sit and contemplate the word of God and contemplate on the things of Jesus, Satan notices and comes and quickly retrieves the word before we have a chance. The road is hard. The path is hardened. And for the seed to make any difference, that heart will have to be plowed up or broken up so that 
the seed can get there and begin germinating first. Then Jesus tells us about the next heart, the shallow heart. It's the one that's the rocky soil. Right? There's a lot of rocks, and so the seed never really gets to put its roots down into good soil. And, and, and it grows quickly. Yet when trouble comes, it burns and withers away. No deep roots were made. It has no chance of really surviving. It's all on the surface. The gospel really never gripped that person's heart and changed their life. For a brief moment, they may appear to us like a super Christian. They came in and heard the faith, and now they're on fire for God. And then, sometime later, we begin wondering, well, where did so-and-so go? It happens more than we like to admit. The third heart condition presented by Jesus is found there in verses 18 and 19. And it's one of a divided heart. The one that has the thorns that grow up in it. Here Jesus explains what chokes out the gospel in our hearts and lives is the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things. This thorny soil, the soil that's also growing thorns represents a divided heart by irreconcilable loyalty. This is actually where a lot of us battle. It's where a lot of us spend our struggles in our lives that we're trying to both follow Jesus and keep up with the Joneses and they just don't mesh. You can't serve God in manna. It's, it's talked about in scripture. This is what he's getting at, but it's something we actually struggle with. At different times in my own life, this has been my struggle. In fact, when I was called here to be your pastor, I was thrilled. I was elated. I was in the middle of Texas, and I get to come serve this amazing congregation, and it's on the beach. So grateful for God for this calling to come here. But to be perfectly honest, I was also grateful to serve a larger church within our denomination as it boosted my pride and allowed me to boast and bring me greater status among my peers. And so somewhere along the way, I began to define myself and who I was, not by who the gospel says I am, but by the success, the worldly success we were having as a church. Not measured by biblical success, but worldly, as in, Growing in numbers, in people, and finances. It really fed into my pride and led me to boast and talk to my other friends in their churches. Well, we're growing like this. With the guys that it was all done for the glory. When in fact, in those moments of boasting, I was trying to find glory for myself. To the point that thorns... We're starting to grow and choke out the gospel leadership he had called me to. I am a confident individual, oftentimes to the point of arrogance. And I found myself driven 
for worldly success here at church. The thorns were growing. It's choking out the gospel. And yet by God's grace and his grace alone, he came to pull the weeds and the thorns from my heart. In fact, this past September, five elders, our current lead elder and the four previous lead elders, sat me down because it had become evident to them that this is exactly what was happening to them and to the staff, that this is exactly what was happening. That my arrogance and confidence was filling rooms in a thickness that was untenable and unchristlike. And normally when faced with criticism, my personality, my fleshly reaction is to defend myself to the death to fight against it. But this was of the Lord. They came in love. And the Lord used that moment to change my heart, to change my life and ministry. He led me into a deep repentance and confession before the elders and all of the staff. But it was more than just a moment there was the Lord opening up my heart and bearing it for all to see. There is nothing left to hide. It was realizing my own nature, my own desire for worldly stuff, success, and then letting go so that God could be in full control. We often have that saying, let go and let God and it's an easy thing to say and much harder to do in real life. It's the struggle we face. It's the struggle I faced. But I would have to let go so that God, through his spirit, could transform my heart and my being. You know, we talk about salvation we talk about what Christ has done for us to atone for our sins, past, present, and future. And by golly, it is for all of those. And then we talk about glorification for when we reach the Father's house in heaven and we are made perfect. But we live in the in-between of the salvation and the glorification, and it is hard. And so it's this process of sanctification, this grace in process that we talk about. And the scripture lifts it up and says sanctification is like a refiner's fire. And it is, because it burns, and it hurts, and it scars, and then it heals. And the Lord used a refiner's fire to burn away all of the thorny bushes within my heart, so that gospel fruit could once again grow. I'm here to walk with you and let you know that letting go of the desires of control, the desires for worldly success, the desires for the things of this world is super scary. Because it's what we know will get us by. And there's the question of if I let go of what I can control, can I really trust God? It's gut-wrenching. 
It's drop you on your knees. Pain. But then, but then, this is, this is the gospel. But then, right? He takes us through this. But then, after the weed pulling, there is fresh air to breathe in a way that you will have never breathed before. So if you're on that fence wondering, man, I I'm, I'm really don't want to let this go. It's something I've been holding on to. I'm not a perfect person. But through Christ who strengthens us, he is caring. He's gracious. He walks with us. He's gentle. And he has this loving kindness about this refiner's fire that hurts so bad. But he never leaves us or forsakes us as he walks us closer to the Father. That's the thorny sort. And then there's the good sort. The good heart. A fruitful heart. Good soil grows gospel fruit. It's not necessarily perfect or free from weeds. It has some tending that is needing to be done to it, but it grows 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And the truth is this. As we understand Jesus' parable here, if our hearts are hardened, Jesus can change that. If our heart is shallow, Jesus can remove the rocks to get to the good soil. If our heart is divided, then by his spirit, the thorn bushes can painfully be removed so we can breathe in fully the grace and the gospel of God. So he tells the parable of the sower for us so that we could be mindful of our own soil's condition and then to let Jesus tend to the garden of our heart. Amen.